Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to chapel. Um, it's good to, it's good to see some of your faces. And for those of you online, welcome to chapel as well. Um, hey, we've got, we've got about five to six weeks left. It's crazy to think that. Uh, and I just wanted to encourage us this morning. I know, um, I know that it's been a long semester and as we've, uh, as, as we're kind of pushing through, I can feel it in the air that, that we're getting a little antsy. Um, people are getting goofy in some ways and other people are just getting tired. And so I just want to encourage you. And I, and I want to encourage us as we think about finishing strong, especially in the season of COVID. Um, uh, my kids watch a show called The Wild Kratts. I don't know if you guys know The Wild Kratts. Yeah, right. Um, but they always say, what if, right? And I started thinking about the what ifs of this semester. Like, what ifs uh, all the athletic teams can finish their seasons, right? And go out and support this weekend. There's a ton going on. Football starting, um, soccer going on. I think there's volleyball. There's a lot going on this weekend. So go support what if um, we're going to run MGN this year? What if MGN happens uh, on April 30th and we can we can do that together, right? But my biggest what if is what if every senior gets to walk off over that stage and get their diploma? What if? And and those ifs only happen if we if we can finish strong together. So I don't talk about COVID a lot from up here, but I want to encourage us to finish strong. I know it's easy when the weather gets nice to and, and for us to feel like it's a time to relax. But I just want to encourage us. Let's keep going uh, because those what ifs are going to be some really joyous moments. All right. Hey, uh, a few things. Tomorrow is a day off. Enjoy it. Rest a little bit. Um, it, maybe you're feeling stressed out and you just need, uh, need some, need some space. The, the health and wellness center is putting on this, this fair tomorrow. It's called express your stress. There's going to be everywhere from a, a kickboxing a demonstration to just let it out, right? To, to, um, a, a grace fit yoga class going on to, um, just snacks. So go to Sky and outside the student center tomorrow between 11 and 2 and, and just enjoy it. Hey, there's a lot going on tonight on campus since there isn't stuff tomorrow. Um, but student government's taking a trip to, to Flying Squirrel. Hopefully some of you are taking that on. Um, there's also a rec night happening tonight at 930. So if you want to play basketball or kickball, know that's happening tonight as well. Hey, this weekend, um, there, like I said, a ton of athletic events. Go support your friends. Get out there. If you're more the artistic person, um, uh, a member of uh, one of our librarians is actually doing something called Ukrainian egg painting this Friday. So if you've ever seen Ukrainian egg painting, maybe you're artistic and you're like, hey, I want to try that out. Uh, that's going to be happening uh, Friday night, 730 in the basement of Northwood. All right. Oh, and last thing. Um, Listen, I don't look this good normally, you know, I wear this tie, but maybe you all are like in ready for a spring fashion update. Um, this Saturday in Beaver Falls, we're doing a thrifting, kind of going through Beaver Falls to the thrift store shopping. Maybe you'd need a good, a good a kind of thrift day. Um, 2 p.m. on Saturday, meet in Alex's parking lot, and there's a group that's going to go thrifting on, on Saturday in Beaver Falls. So enjoy it. Enjoy this weather. And let's stay strong till the end of the year. All right. As we turn to chapel, let's get our hearts and our minds attuned to Christ.
Good morning, Geneva. I'm a bad substitute for Dr. Kikasola, uh, but since he can't be with us this morning, you're stuck with me. So I have a question for you as we look towards the reading of the psalm this morning. What are you fretting about? What are you fretting about? If you say, I'm not fretting about anything, ask yourself whether you're self-deceived. So, for example, um, there are a lot of coaches who are in season right now, and I want to tell you a secret if you didn't know this, is coaches are fretful people. They fret They fret the details. Like you might think they sweat the details, not coaches. They fret the details. And it doesn't matter what their temperament is. So some of the coaches at Geneva College are outspoken and they're animated. And some of the coaches are very laid back and quiet on the outside. But they're all fretful about what's going to happen in the next game. The thing that I love about the Psalms and about the scripture as a whole is that the scripture knows us. The scripture knows what we're like. And we are going to read something together that talks about us, right? So if the scripture says, don't fret yourself, it has to say that because we're the kind of people who do, Right? The scripture doesn't talk to us about things we don't need to hear. The scripture always talks to us about things we do need to hear. And so one of the things that we're supposed to use the Psalms to do is not only to learn for ourselves, but as we actually speak them out to one another or when we're able to sing them, when we sing them, they're to be used for us to encourage one another as well, to hear my neighbor proclaiming the same truth from the same word. So I'm going to ask you to stand and read aloud with me Psalm 37, verses 1 to 7. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 7. Let's read together. Fret not yourself because of evil doers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord, And wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man who carries out evil devices. You may be seated. Now we're going to listen to Psalm 16, Selection D. It's a psalm that we often have sung and will sing again in the near future, we trust, uh, in chapel. And I want you to reflect, um, Pastor Baker is going to speak to us from the book of Titus, and he's going to speak from one of those end points where you wonder, how would you ever preach on this? He's kind of saying goodbye. 
You know, what's going on here? But there's an important message in the end of Titus about good work. And it's challenging for us to do good work living in this world. And if you listen carefully to Psalm 16d, what you'll hear is that the psalmist is praising God and celebrating who God is, but is in the midst of a culture and a society that is not. So let's listen uh, attentively to Psalm 16, Selection D. Preserve me, O God, for I'm trusting in you. Yes, you are my master, I said to the Lord. Besides you, I do not possess any Morning, Geneva. I'm standing in for Tim Bird this morning, so I'm Tony Turner. 
Uh, will you please join me in reciting the Apostles' Creed? Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to the judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Our holy God, which was and is and is to come, we are grateful that you count us worthy because of your immense love for us that you sent your son to die on the cross. And it's because of that work that we stand in your sight justified because he stands there as our advocate, as our propitiation for our sins. And as the accuser stands there accusing us of our sins, he stands there as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And we are grateful that we're able to call you Abba, Father, because of that because of that sacrifice and because your immense love that we will never fully comprehend on this side of the earth. Why you would love being such as us, but you do anyway, despite of our failings, despite of the times where we don't honor you. You're a love that is infinite and that's beyond measure. You love us so deeply. May our hearts be inclined to worship you with an attitude of thanksgiving because you've forgiven us so much and your love is insurmountable. And we're thankful as we can respond and reflect on the promise that in Romans that there's nothing that can separate us from your immense love. And it's with that that our hearts are open to hear, to receive, and our hearts are open to change because you have changed our trajectory for eternity. May we approach your throne humbly with our eyes cast upon you. May our mouths echo as Isaiah echoed when he was standing before your presence. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. And even though, Lord, that is an accurate depiction of who you are in your all your splendor and majestic and your greatness, you still beseech us to call you Father. And may we be endeared to that. May we run to you, knowing that we have full access to you and that you pursue us with such great love and care, may it endear our hearts to you. And may we 
yield our ways to you? Because you say in your word, when we deny ourselves and follow you, you will guide us and lead us to what is perfect and what is right. Because what you have ordered for us is always for our good and for your glory. And so may we strive, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to your glory, for you are worthy to receive it. And we look forward to the day, God, where we all stand hand in hand, all kindreds, tribes, and tongue, on that glorious day where we proclaim how worthy and how great and how awesome you are. And we look forward to that day where there's no more pain and suffering and agony, where you are our only and sole focus. And we long for that day of perfect justice and peace. But until then, Lord, may we strive to do right here. May we strive to bring Jesus to those who do not know him. May we strive to let our good works shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify you. And we thank you for all these things. May you join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we forgive the others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good? What is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Geneva. Take off my Geneva mask. It's good to be with you all. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to preach the Lord's word and the power of the spirit. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, that you give me preaching power to encourage your people, and illuminate your word that we might know how to walk 
and Lord, even where to walk in this season of transition in ministry. And so um, I thank you for Geneva College. I thank you for uh, his faithful pursuit of your purpose. And I ask, Lord God, that you would move in this moment that we uh, might uh, see where you're calling us to go and that we might have uh, faith to walk uh, where you call us to walk. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Um, As President Charles said, I was assigned these verses at a church. And when the pastor first assigned me these verses, (laughs) my initial just reaction was, what's he want me to preach? But as I studied, I was uh, reminded that all of God's word is profitable uh, for um, for for admonition and for correction and for our growth in Christ. Amen. Amen. And so today, as we think about um, the transition from winter into spring, as we think about seemingly coming to some form of transition, as we've uh, traversed the terrain of this global pandemic, and even as we think about the transitions here in the ministry at Geneva College and in our personal lives and families, that's what I'd like to speak to you from, ministry in transition. Ministry in transition. Titus 3, 12 through 15 says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. The word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ministry in transition. Um, Paul writes these words because he believes in this church and he believes in this servant of the Lord, Titus. And he he says some words that I just want to uh, point out before we jump in. He says, do your best. Amen. And I just want to encourage you with that word today. Do your best as you get to the end. Give your all. Be be excited and intentional and urgent about the task of finishing this semester strong and and uh, be fruitful, he says. Be fruitful uh, in the work of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, ministry in transition. It is often said that you don't find out who you are in times of tranquility and ease. Rather, the real you comes out in experiences where you are under pressure. Let the church say amen. If you know that's true. It's March Madness, friends. And I pray that Geneva College has cast its lot with a fellow Christian school in my alma mater, Oral Roberts University, (laughs) to represent Christ in, what, the Elite Eight now? I think so. 
So, so yeah, it's March Madness. And, and it reminds us of the truth uh, that we find out who we are under pressure. It's basketball season in our culture. And if you lose, you go home. Now, that's pressure. Everyone is playing each game to keep their national championship dream alive. And in the last five minutes of these fast-paced competitions, it reveals the fundamental soundness of the team that you're rooting for. The character of their cohesiveness as a unit, the fluidity of their office, the tenacity of their defense, the veracity of their resilience in tough times is on public display in the pressure of the transitions as the final moments of time on the clock tick away. Your transition offense, the transition defense under uh, uh, in the, is under the presence of diminishing time reveals the effectiveness of the coaching that has produced the team you are rooting for. The pressure of transition, friends, shows you who you truly are. Well, in today's text, Paul is dealing with the church under the pressure of doing ministry in a moment of transition. Let the church say transition. And Paul, poised like a point guard, is leading his team in a gospel-formed strategy to manage ministry in the transition. Paul understands that Christ's multicultural church is in the midst of difficult transition and needs dynamic leadership to develop mature disciples to do relevant ministry in the transition of life in this world and life in Christ's church. So he passes the ball, if you will, to Titus and instructs him on how to lead the team in ministry during this transition. Paul does not want the Cretan church to be like many American churches during the transition of COVID-19, the racial unrest in our culture and the political chaos in our government that we have been experiencing. He does not want Christian leadership in churches to be so culturally inflexible and insensitive, here it is, to the culture of the gospel that they are unable to do relevant ministry in a world always in the midst of transition. No, Paul wants Titus and the Cretan church to do relevant ministry, the relevant ministry of the gospel in the transition that they find themselves in. He wants them to do good works. He, uh, he does not want them to be an unfruitful congregation. And Christ does not want us to be unfruitful believers, both collectively and individually. So the relevant question I want to ask is, how do we develop congregations and disciples that are so shaped by the culture of the gospel that we are always ready to do relevant ministry in this world constantly transitioning? How do we do ministry in the transitions of life, personally, in the church, in our families, in our local communities, in our our national culture, and in the world? We are not sure how Paul's transition plan worked out with Titus, but there are a few insights I'd like to share with you, Geneva, that we might pray and work. Let the church say pray and work. Christ doesn't want just a praying church, just a thinking church, but he wants us also to be a working church. And so let's pray and work uh, uh, with these insights um, as we seek to do ministry in transition. The first insight I'd like to share with you about praying and working in the ministry of the gospel is this. 
we need to pray and work for a gospel formed culture in our congregations and within the larger Christian community. Pray and work for a gospel formed culture. The gospel throughout Paul's letter to Titus is the driving force which informs Paul's directions to Titus about his practice in pastoral ministry and leadership in the Cretan church. The practice and ministry priorities of the church are to be modeled after the self-sacrificing grace which the Cretans have received in the salvation of Jesus Christ. The gift of Christ is to now be given and imitated as the Cretans become living sacrifices for the Savior as they minister in the church and represent Christ in the world. Look at verses 12 and um, through 14 of Titus chapter 2 to see how Paul is instructing Titus to inform, to form the Cretan church in the reality of the gospel that they have received in Jesus Christ. Verses 12 through 14 of Titus chapter 2, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Let the church say all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. He wants us to be relevant to this present culture we are in waiting for our blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, purify for himself a people. He wants the gospel to purge us from all the ungodliness that we learn from the cultures that we have that have formed us in this world. We are to be a purified church, holy, to be a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Not holy just because we pray, not holy just because we come to chapel, not holy because we sing, sing the Psalms and the songs of God from his word, but who are zealous to pursue good works for God in the world. What Paul was talking about when he talks to Titus is what Gardner Taylor talks about in his sermon, It Is Finished. Paul is not talking about a suburban gospel of privilege that camps at the safe corners of human culture. No, he is talking about a gospel of self-sacrificing love for the other for people who are different than you, for the glory of Christ. And that should motivate and inform how we operate in tranquility and in transition. The pandemic has exposed in all of us, I might say, but it has definitely exposed in our culture and in our church culture, a culture of selfishness and fear of betraying our political and nationalistic interests, which have formed so much of the church's belief and practice over many years. But Paul teaches us that in every transition and every time, the gospel should inform the church's priorities and practice in ministry 
So we must pray and work for a gospel formed culture in our lives, in our churches. Simply put, is the church still following Jesus? Are you still seeking to imitate Christ? Or has there been some other gospel and some other Messiah who has captured your vision and your imagination and you are in pursuit of that, Lord? No, Paul wants us to be a gospel-formed church formed by the culture of self-sacrificing love that we have seen and received in Jesus Christ. Secondly, we are to pray and work for a cross-culturally sensitive congregation. We're to be formed by the gospel, but sensitive to the communities that Christ calls us to that inevitably will be cross-cultural. Look with me at verses, uh, at verse 12 again. It says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they are lacking nothing. Okay. Look at the names that Paul uses or that calls on his ministry team. Artemis, directly named after a Greek goddess. Zenus, whose name means gift of Zeus. He's writing to the Cretan church in Greece. Tychicus, who in other portions of scripture is identified as the Asian. Apollos, this erudite Jew from Alexandria in African Egypt. Paul, the Jew of Jews from Tarsus, who's got problems back in Jerusalem. And when he confronts those problems, identifies himself as a Roman citizen. Nicopolis, this Great city with a historic past is where Paul will be wintering this season. And Titus, a Greek who has to lead a church in Crete and deal with the congregational baggage under the direction of his Jewish father ministry without indulging a cultural or ethnic superiority. Paul's team and Paul's ministry was cross-cultural as the church has always been and to deny the cross-cultural identity of Christ church Geneva and to pursue a vision of a monoculture church is idolatrous and you have not the Christ the Christian God or the gospel of scripture but a cultural fetish with a God fashioned in your own image Christ church is cross-cultural And to be able to manage the transition in and out of different cultures, you must be as sensitive to Christ, to the needs of humanity, as he came and demonstrated the power of his father's kingdom and died to incorporate us into the culture of that kingdom. So the church, so so the Christian church must always work to remain cross-culturally sensitive 
and open to building redemptive relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who are who are of a different race and nationality than you or I. And by any means necessary, the church must crucify the sinful imagination and practice of cultural imperialism or identifying gospel culture with a certain national or ethnic culture of any particular group. Christ church is a multicultural church connected in ministry, sharing in resources. Is that in the text? Paul says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. He said, make sure that Apollos and Zenos lack nothing. Sharing in resources, healing the brokenness between cultures and in the lives of people through good works because that is what Jesus did in his life, death and resurrection for our salvation. We must be a gospel-formed culture that is cross-culturally sensitive. And finally, we must pray and work for dynamic leadership to develop the congregations, to develop disciples, and mature, maturing disciples to do good works. Let me say that again. We must pray and work for a dynamic leadership to develop disciples and maturing disciples to do good works. Amen? Dr. Trout, it is impossible for Dr. Trout to control the culture here at Geneva College. He can only, amen. <laughs> so it's a weight off your shoulders, sir. But he can only develop leadership, dynamic leadership, to develop you as disciples who will determine the culture of this, of this campus. Paul's ministry team is dynamic. Let the church say dynamic. Meaning they are able to function in different ministry capacities with competency, compassion, and collaboration. All of the team is in transition, aren't they? Artemis and Tychicus are are potentially going to Crete. They don't even know who's going to go and take Titus's place. All of them are in transition. Zenos and Apollos are going through Crete seemingly to another mission field. Titus is leaving Crete to join Paul for the winter in Nicopolis. Paul entrusts these leaders to deal with opposition in ministry and to minister to the needs and challenges in the Cretan church. This is a dynamic team. A dynamic of dynamic leaders. Uh, um, he, he trusts Titus, he, he trusts them to, to uh, minister to the needs of the Cretan congregation and to raise up other leaders to deal with the cross-cultural dynamics in the church and to be respectable as they interact with the society at large. These men are compassionate, competent, and working with one another as they went out in ministry teams. We need this in the church today. Leaders who can work with accountability, but also stand in the truth of God and their own unique giftedness. 
leaders who don't have to be anybody else, but just be who God has called them to be as they serve the people of God and the mission of the gospel. Leaders, men and women who are like the sons of Issachar, who know their time and what should be done and who love and serve the people of God and develop them in the truth of the gospel. But we also need teachable and maturing disciples. The ministry of the church is fulfilled in the good works of the people to apply the ethics of the gospel to their contemporary context. Disciples who can def- to, who can uh, understand the new life that we have in Christ and understand how to properly live out that new life in the relationship to a culture that is dying in sin. We have to pray that as the elders teach the people and that the people joyfully receive the word of God and do the ministry of Christ in the church and in the world so that those who do not know the salvation of Jesus might come to know him through our witness and our work. That as you are here at Geneva and interacting with different leaders, professors, faculty and staff members who who invest their heart and their life and their work and their example in you, that you will then take that and know how to serve your generation when you leave this place. Go and serve the congregations that God will plant you in, the companies that God will plant you in, the communities, not by conforming to the world, but bringing the transformation of the gospel that Christ has invested in you in this place. Yes, there will be good opportunities, good gifts, great people that you will meet, but God has already started the maturing and refining work of the Holy Spirit in your life, not only to send you to find opportunities to make a living, but to send you to bring his transformation power in a world that is desperate still to know him. We must pray for this in our lives, Geneva. We must pray for this on this campus. We must pray for this in the churches that we have left and the churches that Christ will send us to. You see, many churches have not and many may still not make it through the transition, um, the transitions of this season um, effectively if leadership and people are only self-oriented. And if leadership and people are in opposition with one another. So therefore, we must pray and work to develop dynamic leaders and mature disciples to do the work of Christ in the world today. This is the ministry modeled for us by Christ in the Gospels, is it not? Christ in his discipleship of the twelve. Jesus proclaimed the good news of the gospel and met the needs of the people in a culture in his public ministry, in the culture, in his public ministry with his small congregation of disciples. Then he sent the 12 and the 70 out to do the same. Christ Jesus was a dynamic leader, the most dynamic leader who was able to adjust to the different cultural contexts and shifting needs that he came in contact with and address the uh, people and their challenges with the self-sacrificing love of his gospel. Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose from the grave, conquering death, 
But before he ascended to the right hand of the father in the book of Acts, he commissioned his followers to go out and take the gospel to the nations in word and in deed so that he might save lost humanity. And this is what Christ calls the church and his leadership to pursue in ministry today. This is what he calls you to each and every single one of you. Those of you who have a call to ministry of leadership in the church and those of you who are called to do the ministry of the church as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is gospel ministry in times of transition, friends. Christ's multicultural church is not to be inflexible and insensitive and unfruitful in to the culture in the culture of the gospel, which can redeem in a world always in the midst of transition, yet still stuck in sin. We don't need to be unfruitful in ministry in the church. No, Christ calls us to be a people whose culture is formed by the gospel of his grace for us from the bottom to the top and from the inside out. So we should pray and work in the power of the spirit to be a church that is formed by the gospel. Cross-culturally sensitive and developing dynamic leadership and mature congregations to do relevant ministry. As we soak in the grace given to us by God and Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit should move our minds, hearts, and our actions to be a people of prayer and zealous for good works because of the power of the word of that good news in our hearts and in our community, in the church. So as we pray and work in the power of the spirit to be a church that is formed by the gospel, sensitive in culture and developing dynamic disciples and leaders, I hope this helps your thinking and acting for managing the time of transition that we find ourselves in the world today knowing that in Christ, all things are possible to him and her that believe. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I pray that it has been an encouragement and a source of strength for your people, Lord, that you have a great calling for them. You have great purpose for them. Far more than any of us could think or imagine as we avail ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as we are immersed in the truth and the reality of the salvation that you have given us, Jesus. So now we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be excited and zealous for good works for the benefit of others, even those who are not like us. You may call some of us back to the very same communities that you called us out of, and and that's fine, Lord. And you've called us to go and serve those communities, to see them grow and formed by your truth, by your gospel. But you will call some of us, Lord, to the other side of the earth. You will call some of us into communities we have no real knowledge of and into relationships, even to intimate relationships with people we would have never imagined that we would be calling brother and sister and even so much more. And so, Lord God, we ask that you would make us cross-culturally sensitive not to pursue 
the culture of this world, the culture of our country, but the culture of Christ and his kingdom as we interact and do your ministry and live our lives for your glory. And Lord, we pray for your church. We pray for your church, Lord God, that is being moved forward even here on the campus of Geneva College, that you would raise up dynamic leaders, Lord, who would be so excited and on fire for what you are called for your for your gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform lives people's from being dead in sin to alive to God. That Lord God, we would we would passionately pursue leadership in your church and leadership even as we step into the world in representation of you. So Lord God, apply this word to your people's hearts, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Man, God bless you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All you nations extol him. Extol.